Hello, I am Mary Ellen Harn of Capgemini, and welcome to the third podcast in a series highlighting key findings of our Financial Services World Reports. Recently, we revealed the findings of the 2020 Retail Banking Report. And one of the most striking findings from the report addressed how banks can meet the rising consumer demand for digital through platformification. Today, we're going to talk about how the pandemic has generated more customer demand for digital and what banks can do to meet this need. So joining me are highly acclaimed social media influencer Spiros Margaris and Elias Ganim, Global Head of Market Intelligence for Capgemini Financial Services. Well, welcome to both of you. Spiros, uh, could you talk a little bit about yourself? Of course. Uh, first of all, I would like, before I start talking about myself, uh, to thank you for having me on your show. And uh, to talk about myself, I'm a venture capitalist, invest in several startups involved, the biggest insurtech company in Europe, WeFox, and uh, with Spark Labs in California. So my role is, uh, I mean, I'm an influencer, I'm the number one in my space, FinTech, but uh, my role is basically also being an advisor to those startups in the financial industry. Well, thank you, Spiros. Um, really happy to have you. And Elias, can you talk a little bit about yourself and what you do at Capgemini? So I'm the global head of the market intelligence. And at the market intelligence, we focus on the outside-in perspective. We analyze what is happening. We interview a lot of customers as well as a lot of executives. And we combine all that in a report that comes to make the point of a specific target. Before doing that, I had the chance also to build my fintech between uh, the Dubai and Singapore in the payment field and had the chance to work for a large organization into the payment field like Visa and PayPal. And today at Capgemini, we are here to work with the banks on the future of the banking industry. Well, thank you, Elias and Spiros, for sharing your background. Uh, this should be a really interesting and insightful discussion. So let's just jump into it. Um, so without doubt, the COVID-19 pandemic is evolving customer expectations, and it's motivating them to embrace digital interactions more than ever before. So in your opinion, what will be the immediate impact of this new normal on traditional banks? Uh, Spiros, let's start with you. And what do you think this immediate impact of the pandemic will be on banks? I think uh, we will see more people uh, going digital. We've seen this in general. I mean, social media, grandparents uh, uh, speak to the grandchildren over social media platforms. And the same thing with digital banking. People who even went to branches will probably, who needed to go to branches to do their banking will be open now to do it through digital platforms, you know. And I think uh, innovation has accelerated and adoption of innovation has accelerated through this pandemic in general. And I think it's uh, it's a very bad thing what happens now, what is happening now, but uh, it might be a good thing um, for innovation and adoption of innovation. Okay. So Elias, do you have anything to add? I think the most important situation that banks should face is what is the role of the branch. For the last three months, no one went to any branch. 
and banking continued and our financial life continued normally. So I think, are we saying that we don't need branches? Far from that. The study has revealed that people are looking for the emotional connect while they are turning more and more digital, as Piro said. And I think the biggest challenge for the banks is how to attend the emotions of the customers through the branches and through the interaction while delivering the digital needs of the customers. What you said, I think, hits uh, the nail on the the head. I think uh, this is something not only for banks, also for fintech companies to remember what you were saying now, because uh, digital is just one thing. We still need to emotionally connect with people. Excellent. That's so true. But traditional firms really can't ignore uh, and delay building digital capabilities, even though there is this emotional connection at the branch. Um, A major obstacle that the World Retail Banking Report 2020 indicated is the inability of incumbents to innovate at scale. So Elias, what do you think is holding back banks to realize this innovation potential? In fact, in the the report, we identified really two main uh, blocks, one that are blocking the the situation. On one side is the uh, infrastructure, on the other side is the mindset. And COVID has revealed the third one, which is the cash. So let me tell you a bit about them. From an uh, infrastructure, uh, old uh, core banking, not platformed, will make it very difficult for the banks to innovate and to be able to do the plug and play of having the best partner outside to innovate with them. That's from from uh, an an infrastructure perspective. But the infrastructure is something you can change easily, much easier than the second one, which is the mindset. The willingness to collaborate and the willingness to collaborate at scale is where we are seeing that banks are being changed today. A mindset, a mindset of the build or buy. I can either do it myself or I can buy somebody who, who does it. The problem with the build and buy, it takes time. It takes energy and it takes time between the minute we decide it and to the minute that we end up. And the last one, which makes the buy even more and more difficult, is the third one that we are seeing now, which is related to cash. And in any crisis moment, every organization, even us uh, as consumers, we tend to reduce the spending. Why? To protect the uh, the future. So now if the banks have less money to invest, has less time because the consumer is looking for, and the infrastructure is not ready. It's quite difficult to innovate at scale. Spiros, do you agree? You know, it's so bad he was so good. You know, he said, <laughs> <laughs> you know, he, he said it all, and actually, even things I haven't even thought of. Uh, and I think, uh, yes, um, he said it all. There's not much to add to this. Uh, I believe um, build it yourself is not the best way, uh, but uh, integrating a good solution is also tough because uh, uh, it, it has to be built on something uh, that's basically not, maybe wasn't meant to be attached to a cool new solution. So there's uh, obstacles, you know, it's like uh, like adding something new to an old house. Maybe it's better to build a new one in the first place. Fully agree with you. We One of the things that we have noticed, Spiros, you put it so well in this new new bedroom in a house. The only problem is all the electricity is hasn't been designed to accept a new house. And exactly. The user, 
And rather than building a new house, could make it easier. The only problem building a new house for a traditional bank is quite complicated. Yes, and the main and and what do you do in the meantime? You know, between uh, moving from your old home to a new one, and the demand we will have through technology, Internet of Things, AI, big data, will make the problems old institutions have just worse. And people expect a lot of things, you know, I mean, beyond banking, people are very spoiled through technology, what it can do for us. And we expect the same thing in banking, you know, basically, as we speak to Alexa, or, you know, we expect somehow Google, uh, we expect somehow banking, you know, the same way, the kind of comfort, you know, we say something and it gets done. And, uh, I think the expectations, we need to do some expectation management. <laughs> Big institutions do this anyway. That's so true. I mean, really, I mean, everyone now is, is, is large firms such as Amazon and Facebook. Everyone's using them and they're having, you know, expectations set by like Uber and Airbnb as well. And so with all this re redefinition of operating models and customer expectations, you know, there's an issue of how do banks benefit from this? What can they do to compete with this and, and offer services that what customers would expect from their other experiences. So, um, Spiros, if you really look at banks, how do you think they can benefit from all of this? If you look at the example, we haven't seen the results yet, but you've seen the announcement of Google partnering with Deutsche Bank. Uh, I think uh, we will see more things like this or Apple with Goldman Sachs. Uh, I think maybe we have to mix the genes you know the uh, genes of of different industries you know and play each other's strengths you know i think banks will benefit if they're open open to let go you know because banks and financial institutions have a lot going i mean you still put the money with a bank you know with apple you can't do it now actually but i mean banks have a lot going for them but uh, Things change quickly, as we know, and as also the report indicates. Okay, Elias, what do you think? How do you think ben banks can benefit from what's happening in big tech? I think I would say first, banks should not uh, forget that the big tech are here and big tech are getting in old business lines, with no doubt. So when the big tech years ago, three years ago, not too long ago, were saying banking is too complex, well, complexity is a sum of elements, and they were solving them slowly but surely. And as Piros mentioned, each one of the large players has something into banking, being the Apple Card, being Amazon with all their services. I would also want to bring the attention not only on the one that we know, not only on the GAFA, but let's not, never forget the one coming from Asia, the Alibaba of the world and the Tencent of the world. And for me, we... Banking industry has a lot to bring to the table, has a lot to learn from agility and customer centricity, but it brings also a lot of stability, a lot of KYC knowledge, a lot of uh, things that are very complex. And I really believe that there is an opportunity for specialization, things that you do better than I, things that I do better than you. Let's work together to best serve the customer. Yes. Again, again, uh, excellent set. You know, it's like uh, I can tell. No, I can tell that. I mean, your fintech experience. I mean, it's basically, 
you know, uh, it's like uh, if you have that right mindset, both parties, then the consumer will benefit the most, you know. And sometimes it's also good if you don't know much about certain industries because new solutions will come up, you know. And you see this, as you said, with Chinese uh, big uh, social media giants who, who do everything, you know. They do from insurance or banking to social media to anything, you know. It's, and it's like one thing, you know. It's one destination people go to in China. It's just, you know, even in China, it, basically if you want one provider, basically that's the provider you will use for everything, you know from shopping to buying to anything, to exchanging thoughts, to meeting somebody. I think we are, we're far from where they are. I mean, they're very advanced in that respect, but it's a different culture. So you can't adapt it right away in different cultures. But it shows you what you see in China, what could happen to the financial industry. But, but there's one big difference between what is going on with big tech and customer expectations and what's going on with traditional banks. And and that big difference is that banks have outdated legacy core banking systems. And in that in our report, the World Retail Banking Report, 77% of executives surveyed said that outdated legacy core banking systems are a major concern towards building successful and sustainable banking platforms. So Given this situation, Elias, if you were a bank, how would you approach core banking transformation? Tricky question, I must say, but I would try to answer it uh, sharp in saying I would not postpone it, first of all. I would start it first. Second, I would know that it's a journey. A core banking transformation is a five years program. And as Pyrrhus mentioned earlier on, in the meantime, what do I do before my house is ready? What do I do? I am running. I am already, the plane is in the air, so I must continue. So I would say don't postpone it, plan for it, and start. The third thing I would say is start getting the quick wins by collaborating with the most advanced scale-ups outside that could bring, that could start helping you learn a new way of doing things while improving the customer experience and testing the steps of the new, uh, the new core banking. It's a must-do, and it's an urgent thing to do. Okay. So I, we know what Elias would do. Spiros, what would you do if you were a bank? You have to think of it like a family business. And what I mean with this is, don't think like a manager, because if you think like a manager, you think it might, it might be not my problem. But if it's a family-owned business, you bank. If you think that way, then you think, my God, I have to leave something behind for the next generation. And if you think that way, you're much more willing to, to, to take risks, to, to go for it, to be in panic mode, because you have to be in panic mode in order to change. And fa we will fail, but um, I think we have to, the faster we let go of the old old way of thinking and old legacy systems, the better. And I, it's almost impossible to transform the old system, legacy systems into something new. I sometimes, when I do presentations, I do a lot of keynote speeches. One thing I show two beautiful cars. One is an old time and one is new, the same model. As I said, you mean, 
maybe the old one is beautiful and everything, but it will never be as fast as the new one. So maybe you have to build the you have to build parallel two banking systems, two banks, and let go eventually of the old one. You know, it sounds expensive, but I otherwise it's just fixing, uh, 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 you know, filling the holes we have, you know. But in life, things, if you want to really change something personal, we have to do some radical movements. And it's not different with banks and with any company, because otherwise we're out of business. You know, it takes courage to win. It does take courage to win. You're absolutely correct in that without any doubt. Uh, But one of the things that we've been talking about in our world reports and uh, in the World Retail Banking Report, it it talks about it as well as something called OpenX. And that really is sort of the the, the core um, of what we think banks should be doing to sort of be ready for the next, I guess, the future. And um, platformification is the core of capitalizing on this idea of OpenX. Uh, in both of your opinions, how could platform banks build expertise and capabilities to deliver this beyond banking OpenX-based experience? So, Spiros, let's go back to your bank. Your bank's core is now transformed, but you also have the capability to deliver a beyond banking experience to your customers. What do you think this would look like? You know, I mean, uh, then we really have to think, what are the needs of our customer? And, um, you know, insurance probably is something, you know. At the end of the day, we have to then start thinking of uh, partnerships, in order to provide this, if I understood this correct question correctly, and uh, again, uh, I think uh, we have to let go uh, of trying to do everything ourselves and try to do what we do best as a bank and partner with the rest, depending on the needs of our clients. And so, so, what would these partnerships look like? What would what would be an example of something that a bank would form a partnership to execute on? Do you have any thoughts in that direction? I think insurance services. You know, people always like insurances and um, uh, just things where, where we're not good enough. But it's it's hard to. I mean, it's a million dollar question. I think uh, it's a, it's a trial and error. I mean, maybe we have to try many initiatives to see what customers really want instead of thinking what we think they want. Maybe we should go the way of, as I said, insurance, maybe um, other fintech solutions uh, that do better job than we do and see what works. You know, I, I, it's, I can't just tell now the roadmap, but I think it's a trial and error. I mean, that's how startups work and are successful. You try and error and the things that work, you'd put more focus on. Okay, Elias, let's, let's turn back to you now. So I'm gonna ask you the same million dollar question. Um, what, do you, what would your beyond banking experience look like? Listening to Spiros, I was trying to think on on how to to, to, to spin it here. And Trek, what comes to my mind is first, let me tell you what is OpenX, and that would be part of the the answer. In the World Report, what we mentioned, OpenX is a is a formula. And by the way, when we mean X, X is works for experience. And OpenX for us is 
the combination of a seamless exchange of data and resources. So this is where the first XCOM exchange combined with an expedite product innovation. This is the trial, the test and trial that Spiros mentioned. And if I combine exchange of data and expedite product innovation, I obtain the result is an improved experience for the customers. And speaking second, always give you the, the time to think. So to give you an example of things that I would like to do is as a consumer, I am not buying a mortgage. I am buying a new life, a new place for my family, which is nothing more than a real estate transaction. And I would like my bank to be offering me the trusted as, as a trusted uh, partner to offer me the experience of buying a house in which I have the before, the during, and the after stage. The before, I am searching. I know to know how much money I can put, what are the challenges in neighbor A, B, and C, where are my kids. So this is the be next to me into the thinking process. And to do that, we can work with several startups that are AI-driven and could help identify my life stage and then my income, etc., etc. That's before. During, there is nothing more painful than buying a property. Uh, legal aspect, financial aspect, uh, notary aspect, and you name it. What if my bank is my trusted advisor and is next to me along the experience of buying? And at the end, giving me the right mortgage. And then after, I have to settle in my house. I have to move. I have to settle. I have to buy insurance to, to Spiro's point. But I also have to buy furniture. I have to have them delivered. I have to have utilities. What if my banks connect all the ecosystem and a platform-based and orchestrate the end-to-end the end, the end -end experience? That's what I describe as an OpenX. And my bank, if I were running a bank specialized in mortgage, I would change the title. It's not a mortgage company. It's a life experience company offering the support end-to-end -end for a, a house as well as education as well as retirement and so on and so forth, which are very important moments in my life. I like what you said. You know, it's very good that we have this conversation because one of my statements I make often when I present is banking eventually will be like breathing. It's like air. You do it, but you don't think about it because it provides you the energy to live. And banking, it will be so in the background and it will cover much more, even the things you said beautifully, with anticipating the needs of our clients in every respect uh, and, for, and try to fulfill them. Without that, we have to think about it. As you described before, I mean, not only the mortgage, maybe also you need some furniture. Uh, it just does the whole thing in the background. And it's like, uh, you know, it's just there. It thinks for us how much we can spend, where we should spend it, and it actually does it actually for us as well. It, 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 I like your expression about it's like air. Oxygen is something that we don't see, but mm -hmm. we can't live without it. Exactly. Banking is something that we might not need to see, the branch next door, but a bank is always necessary to facilitate breathing, acting, engaging, and so on. I like a lot the, the comparison. Thank you. You know, that's my strength, those uh, big statements. But you, what you did excellent helped me put some flesh on it. 
Well, thank you, Spiros and Elias, for joining me and sharing your thoughts today. To our listeners, you can go on SoundCloud and all major podcast apps and search, listen, and subscribe to Capgemini's Focus on World Reports podcast series. If you found this podcast interesting, please like it on SoundCloud and share it with your colleagues. We'll be back with a new podcast soon, which will address the effect of the pandemic on the global wealth industry. In the meantime, please connect with us on LinkedIn and Twitter and visit capgemini.com to download the World Retail Banking Report 2020. Thanks for having us. Thank you. This is Designing Momentum, a podcast from Capgemini. Designing Momentum is a show about what it takes to build and maintain momentum in business. When the odds are against you, how do you forge your own path? Original ideas very rarely come from looking in the same places you always look. So in this show, we'll be turning the spotlight in a different direction that you wouldn't necessarily think to look. Hosted by me, Frank Wammers, and with the help of Rachel Burford, International Women's Rugby World Cup winner, and experts in emerging technology in sport, we'll be exploring why what goes on in the boardroom isn't so different to what happens on the pitch. Make sure you subscribe now in Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you find your podcasts.